What's going on, everybody? It's Real with Jordan and Demi right here in New York City next to the Margaritaville in Times Square. <laughs> it's episode number 100. 100 we, we made it to 100, Demi. Ooh, high five, Jordan. Okay. So for our 100th show, we couldn't just have anyone on. We're both like New York, even though we're bi-coastal LA-ish people now. <laughs> Uh, we still love New York, so we had to have a, a New York band on, uh, someone who's been in the scene for a long time. Let's bring him out. Dustin from Beach Fossils, what's going on? Hey, how's it going? It's going good. It's going good. We're, uh, it's funny, you, we, you're we you our 100th episode, and you had no idea, and now you're like part of a an anniversary show without even knowing it. Yeah. So. And you do one episode a year, so this is 100 yeah. years. Yeah, we've been doing this a long time. We started out... Um, our first show was about President Coolidge, and yeah. uh, now we're now we're up to uh, beach fossils. Yeah, thrilling stuff. Yeah, you have been you're releasing a, an album of piano versions of your older of your of your catalog. Yeah, and so our big question is, why do this instead of a whole fresh new album? Well, we're always working on music, so I actually have a whole fresh new album in the works right now. Um, this is just kind of like a bonus on top of that. Um, basically, as soon as we finish the last record, we're always writing songs. I've got, I was just looking at my hard drive the other day and I have like 138 new songs for the next wow. record. Um, but for this one, it was like, uh, it kind of was this time where things were, it was kind of hard for us to get to the studio together, um, you know, kind of locked down in New York. And then also um, I just became a father like during the pandemic as well. So it was like yeah. extra, no time to do anything. Um, and I had the idea to do this record for a long time, the jazz record. And so I reached out to some uh, friends of mine who are jazz musicians and uh, we put this album together remotely. So far I, I you know, listened to the first one, the down the line and and I just wanted to crawl underneath my couch and sob. It's so beautiful and, <laughs> and melancholy Thanks. and sad, but but just a really interesting interpretation of that song. Um, so, yeah. I was actually wondering about those new records that are slowed down. Do you re-record those vocals or do you kind of like slow them yeah. down? The, the whole thing is re-recorded. Um, it's like brand new from the beginning, from scratch. Um, yeah, I had my friend, uh, arrange everything. My friend Tommy Gardner, he used to play drums in Beach Fossils back in the day. And he's an excellent musician. He went to Juilliard. He's classically, or I guess he's trained in jazz. And um, he, he played piano, saxophone, and upright bass on that. And then um, my friend Henry played drums. There's this thing about bands and, um, and drummers. How many drummers have you had in mm. Beach Fossil history? <laughs> I think at one point I stopped counting, but I think we were on like 12 or 13. It's like spinal tap. They just combust and you get a new one. <laughs> well, I think it's because like everybody plays guitar. And if you can play guitar, you can pretty much play bass. So, mm -hmm. you, you know, you can find that pretty easily. But a drummer is like a, a hot item, you know? So drummers are like, you know, if you're not touring, they're like, all right, let me go uh, to this other band that's touring. Mm. I feel like a lot of the bands that came after you in that kind of in that New York tradition um in the brooklyn tradition the bushwick tradition and the diy tradition uh yeah. there was a lot of pad drummers pad drumming yeah how do you feel about that are you like i think it's cool i mean honestly i think just whatever people do however they want to express themselves whatever works for them go for it 
Speaking of like New York City, you guys are a New York band. Yeah. How much um how much do you have to thank New York and like the scene that you grew out of for your success? Yeah, I don't think Beach Fossils as it is would exist without New York. You know, cuz I was playing in bands when I I grew up in North Carolina and it kind of reached this point where it was it felt like there was nobody else to play to you know we'd have a show and it'd be the same people Damn. and um when i went to new york and started beach fossils we were playing for you know almost a year before the first record came out and we had already grown this fan base that was i mean it was amazing because it's like you play in a different neighborhood and you get an entirely new audience you know you recognize a few people in the crowd but it, it felt like somewhere that you could be on tour without having to leave what changes have you recognized in New York um, in kind of like the scene? And I mean, there's this talk about kind of there's it's very divided. New York's become saturated, the music scene out here. And I'm kind of wondering from your point of view, what do you think? What's it going to take to revive the New York music scene? I don't know. I mean, I think I think it's kind of the thing that's been happening for decades. You can hear every musician kind of from a different time tell the same story about how everybody that was playing music during their time left because it was too expensive and you know how can young people start a new scene because it's so expensive and that is true i mean i've noticed especially now you know at the time it was like you kind of had to be in a city and kind of be a part of a scene physically to make something happen whereas now you can kind of live anywhere and, and make it work a little more um I mean, I was dead broke when I moved to New York and it was really hard for me to stay for a while, but I was like, I have to stay here. This is the place that I have to play shows. And I'm not sure. I mean, I think the only thing that could maybe make a real scene again would be if real estate prices went down, but I don't see that ever. <laughs> no, no, that's not happening at all. Yeah. I also think that Spotify and streaming kind of screwed that up a little bit because you can throw your stuff up and anyone can hear it at any time. Do you, and you, you guys came up right before Spotify. I mean, literally two or three years before um, I think your first thing was released in early 2010 and Spotify was like right around that time. Mm -hmm. So are you grateful that you came up just before the streaming era? Um, I'm not sure. It's kind of hard to say, you know, um, I don't know how, how it would affect it otherwise. I, I definitely feel lucky. You know, I do think streaming has helped us in a big way where like we go on tour and we can play, you know, a, a sold out tour in Asia and everybody is screaming the words to the songs in English. And I'm like, there's no way this would have happened if, yeah. if the only option to get our record was to go to like some cool independent record store in New York and have to know about it. And, you know, so I do think that streaming has really helped in a way it's, it's kind of like the new radio. Cause you know, it's like, it's not like we're getting played on FM radio or anything. Yeah. 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 I mean, that's absolutely true. You have your, your record label uh, Bayonet is um, you know, you, you came from the captured tracks world and probably what did you learn from, your time at Captured Tracks that helped you with Bayonet? I think I learned a lot about how to deal with artists from a label side, you know, and what I wanted and what I didn't want and kind of taking all that 
um, to Bayonet and trying to make it as artist friendly as possible. Um, you know, I think it's I think it's helpful having a person there who, you know, like my wife who runs a label, she's very smart with the label side of things, the music industry side. She does all this stuff that I would not be able to do. Um, and, and it couldn't exist without her. And then my side of things is just kind of having the, this artist to artist connection um, and making sure that everybody feels like they're able to talk about it and have their voice heard from the artist side. Speaking of labels, I mean, you have this, this label with your wife, um, but you have done pretty much as a rock band, you've done it. And from your, like, in your opinion, do you think that, because now that indie is coming back, rock is coming back, there's a lot of rock bands emerging, um, and indie artists, do you recommend that they stay independent um, or sign with a label? What's your advice? I, I mean, I think everybody should be independent. I think the major labels have always been really destructive towards any type of creativity. You know, I think it's like a young artist sees a lot of money on a check and they're like, okay, cool. And then they sign this thing and then they realize that they don't have control over anything at that point. Yeah. They don't have, you know, I have friends who have signed to major labels who've just told me it's been such a nightmare trying to get out of it. They record a record, they turn it in, the label's like, nope, this isn't the record, you know, and they have to redo it and they have to write new songs and it just keeps happening. And either the label will finally put it out, you know, cause they agree to it or they'll just shelf it and the band is stuck. And, and you know, I just think, I don't know, the way that majors treat it is, they're not looking at it as art, they're just trying to see it as a commodity and, and something that they can sell. And now they're, they're scooping up these TikTok kids mm -hmm. who have a viral TikTok thing, they sign them to the record label, they remix their tick, whatever song they got big on TikTok, they put out an EP, and if that EP doesn't perform well, they just kind of flounder around, and you know, three or four years have passed and you really haven't put anything out, so... I right. think that's one thing that's happening now that didn't happen, you know, 10, 12, 15 years ago, because there, there was no TikTok social media. Yeah. I mean, I think it also kind of depends on what you're making, you know, like if a band like us would never work on a major label, I think we'd get shelved and, and we would get dropped or something, you know, because mm -hmm. we have, we have a cult following and it's a really strong cult following. And, but it's just, you know, I don't, I don't want to make a song and think about how it could perform on the radio. I want to make a song because I like how it sounds, you know? Yeah, absolutely. That seems to be like the war. It seems mm. to be like a, the war between artists right now. Um, yeah. And one thing we spoke about the weather is about on that topic is like those kind of, those kind of artists that come up through social media or TikTok without kind of having put in the groundwork and built a foundation or a cult following like your band has, they don't sell tickets on tour. They don't. You know? Yeah, there there are a lot of artists that I um that I really like um that are that do pretty well on streaming and I've talked to my booking agent, you know, multiple times whenever we're trying to book a tour, trying to figure out who we should bring on tour with us and I'm like, "Oh, I really like this artist. What about them?" And he'll look into it and be like, "They've actually never played live before." Yeah, what's that about? <laughs> That's I, crazy, huh? Yeah. Well, I mean, it's cool. I I do like that people are able to now it's like, you know, you have a computer that basically is your recording studio. So you can just make something, put it up on the internet, it might blow up. And then it's like, oh, I don't, 
<laughs> I don't have access to performing this live or I don't have a band or anything. I mean, honestly, that kind of happened to me when Beach Fossils first got signed. I didn't have a band. I was just recording songs and all of a sudden it started getting press and I was like, I, I was scrambling to get a band together so we could start playing shows. How did that happen? How did you end up getting that first band together? How was that process for you and teaching them how to play? It was honestly like the first people I met that played. I went to a show and there was somebody that was friends with the band that was playing and I kind of knew them. And he mentioned something about playing guitar. And I was like, um, do you want to play guitar in my band? You're the only person in New York that I've <laughs> met so far that plays guitar. And it kind of came about like that really naturally and organically. Um, you know, and then over the years, the lineup has just changed and I've kind of, uh, you know, made it more kind of people that I really want to want to be playing with. It's funny because you're a nice guy and because all the lineup changes, people probably think you're some like uh, dictator or something. <laughs> you know? No, I think it's like um, a lot of people that I played with have, have just kind of gone on to do their own projects. And, um, mm -hmm. you know, I mean, I obviously want to encourage that, you know, if someone feels like they're working on something and, you know, because at the time it was just my songs. And so if they were playing my songs and they wanted to play their songs, you know, I get it. I, I'm I'm friends with pretty much everybody that was in the band, you know. Yeah, yeah. I want to go back to Clash the Truth because I honestly, I can't really decide which one of um, Beach Fossil's albums are my favorite. I can't decide mm -hmm. which one it is. Um, but there, I have a story. So my first time living in Paris, I was 18. And I didn't know that like I wouldn't have Wi-Fi walking around. I didn't know that I... I didn't understand. Like, I just wasn't prepared. So I had one album saved on my phone, okay? And I was there for a few months, and I had one album saved on my phone. And it was Clash the Truth. So I know every, uh, I know everything mm. in that album. I can recite general, uh, generational uh, synthetics. Yeah. How do you pronounce it? Yeah, yeah. Like, I can recite those lyrics um, probably in my sleep. Um, so can wow. you tell me about the making of that album just for, I have to know. Well, honestly, I got to say, I'm surprised you even had me on because I think if I was stuck with only listening to one record for that long, I wouldn't be able to stand it. I wouldn't, I wouldn't even want to have anything to do with it at that point. So thanks for having me on. Um, yeah. Yeah. The making of that record um, was kind of like an involved process. I, I had kind of, honestly, I kind of felt like I was done with Beach Fossils. You know, I was like, I don't want to do this band anymore. You know, I made a record, I made an EP, we played a lot of shows, that was fine. Um, but I'm kind of over it now, I want to start something else. Um, no but way. I still had I still had another record on my contract with Captured Tracks and um, Mike, who was the uh, label owner, he was like, you know, you don't have to, but like, you know, just make the record, I think you should. Um, so, you know, I did, I sat down and, and it, it kind of took me a while because I was sort of struggling with the writing on that one for a little while and then all of a sudden it just, came together and um, I recorded it at home entirely. And then I went to a studio and re-recorded it. And um, now both versions are released. So you can hear kind of the different ways that, that, it, that it worked out. Um, but yeah, the studio, the first studio we went into to make that record got, it was like we were finishing up the sessions and Hurricane Sandy came and destroyed the entire studio. Oh my God, I remember that. Flooded it. Yeah, there were pictures that like the, the guy who owned the studio showed me and it was like all of the gear and the furniture and everything was just like pushed against one wall. 
somehow somebody had run in there and backed up the hard drives and took them out because they were you know they were like the storm might mess up the studio and and, um good thing they did because they pretty much saved the record what so why were you (laughs) going to stop like why didn't you want to make music under beach fossils anymore uh i've always just been the kind of person that gets like sick of something after a little while you know i'm just i'm like okay cool i kind of said what i needed to say with this project and sonically i felt like i was i was over it um you know and i was like i could start another project but the thing is it would still just be me anyway so i might as well just keep the name and then just keep exploring sonically and and also that's kind of how somersault came about because it was like you know now i can just make whatever i want to make and you know i I don't really think too much about if people are going to like it or not because i feel like if i like it then it'll probably resonate with somebody are you for i'm curious about your your recording stuff do you have a i mean when you're not in miami hanging out with uh diddy and whatever you're on your yachts uh um what's your what's your uh home recording studio setup do you have a be something big and elaborate or just something just real simple that you use and you take that into the a bigger fancier studio um yeah it's nothing too crazy i mean i've got like some some decent gear over the years but i i keep it pretty small i keep it minimal i i have what i need and i don't go too crazy um but yeah i i um you know, at this point, I don't even need to go into a studio at all. I pretty much have everything I need at home. And and um, and I find sometimes when I do go into a studio, it just makes it take longer. And, and I end up throwing away something that we paid for. And it's like, what's the point? And it's been, it's been, I guess, four years since the last Beach Fossils album, like True Album. Um, and you, you've had pretty big gaps sometimes in between albums. Are you a perfectionist? Is that the reason why there's gaps between releases because every track has to be perfect or? Kind of, yeah. I think that that um, is maybe uh, sort of a pro and a con, I guess, because it's like, I want every song that comes out to be something that I love and believe in. And and I don't want to release anything that, I'm, that I regret putting out, you know, because I know some people that, they've put out some music and they they're like, Oh, I can't stand to listen to that now. And I don't ever want to feel that way. You know, I only want to put out things that I love. And right. I definitely have songs that I've written, you know, cause I write maybe 7,500, nearly 200 songs. I don't know, sometimes for a record and I only end up putting out like a handful of them. And sometimes I look back and I'm like, Oh, it would have been cool if I did put that song on, or then I hear a different song and I'm like, I'm really glad I didn't put that one on. Cause that song sucks. And, <laughs> you know, so. I guess I just take a while figuring out what the album's going to be. What makes a good song to you as like the songwriter? <laughs> um, I think the, I, I think it's, it just has to be something that makes me like get a really strong emotional response. Mm. And, you know, you, you kind of know it instantly, mm. you know, at, at least I do is like, if I'm not getting like a very strong feeling like, right here then you know there's no point in putting it out yeah you mentioned you know you have 150 200 songs you record for an album and then dwindle yeah. uh, dwindle it down 
do those the songs that you end up picking do they come out do they pop out easily to you or is there a lot of going back and forth do you i mean since your since your wife is involved in the label and since she runs the label and she has the experience do you bounce things off her like how do you pick those 10 or 12 13 songs for the album it's funny because a lot of the songs that my wife likes um are songs that i really don't like and don't end up using <laughs> um I think she likes the ones that are more poppy, you know, and she's like, oh, people will really love this. And, you know, there's some songs that we've been working on for this new record that I think are like extremely poppy. And she, she's like, oh, I love this. You know, this, this, you have to put this on the record. And even there's even a song that like my bandmates love and everybody that I've shown is like, oh, this is like one of the best ones. And I honestly am like, I just don't think I can release it because, <laughs> I mean, people like it, but yeah, I don't, I don't like it. So why would you need to make, you need to make, need to make a like. box set of all those songs and call it songs <laughs> other people liked. That's not a bad idea, actually. Yeah. <laughs> I Is might use that. Yeah, yeah, it? yeah. So your so your wife seems like a boss, right? And yeah, definitely. You guys are in business together. Tell us the story. I have to know the story how you how you guys met. But also, what's it like being a rock star dad? <laughs> um, well, we met back in, I think, like early 2010, before the first Beach Fossils record was out. We had just put out the first single, and um, she was interning at Captured Tracks. And I went over there and um, like picked up the first copies of, of my album, and I saw it. This is a hot story. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, but no, I met her there, and then um, <clears throat> we became friends and started talking about records and she started mentioning all these albums that were like <clears throat> my favorite albums of all time and we just like had a pretty long conversation about music and I was like yeah this is someone I can really hang out with <laughs> so sort of like high fidelity kind of a thing yeah kind of I mean I, I don't think I could be in a relationship with someone that didn't like love music the same way as me, I think it, it wouldn't work. But I also think, does does she play music herself or? No, she's not a musician. And I actually kind of like that I can bounce songs off of her. Because That's what I was saying. It's kind of advantageous to be married to someone in the music industry realm, but who is not a musician themselves, you don't have their own band because they're basically like your own little personal A&R label yeah. exec person in house. Yeah, because there might be a song that I write that I'm like, oh, but like this change is so cool. Listen to this. And she's like, I don't care though. It doesn't do anything for me. I'm not a musician. And I'm like, okay, that's kind of feedback I, that I can use. I just picture her <laughs> as like an old school record executive with like rose tinted glasses and like a cigar and, you know, like sitting there. <laughs> no, like, she's I tell you, that's not going to be a hit. I tell you, what we need to do. You need more. <laughs> yeah. She's Puerto Rican too, no? Uh, Cuban, yeah, we're both Cuban. Cuban. Oh, let's go! Yeah, yeah. Nice try, Demi. Demi's Puerto Rican, so she was hoping that you know. <laughs> hey, well, we're all friends. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, I, I have a kind of an overarching question, and it's kind of a. I'm really like I shouldn't defeat the question before I ask it, but um, you guys are considered pioneers in that lo-fi rock sound mm -hmm. that came out. You and and waves and ducktails and I love all those bands. First of all, how do you feel about the term lo-fi? Did you hate it? Did you always hate it, or, or are you cool with it? How do you feel about I, that term? I think most genre names are are pretty stupid because <laughs> lo-fi is just 
Oh no. We're back. We're back. Did we get, there's, there's no audio. There's no audio. Uh oh. Oh yeah. Let's put it back on. Hey, hey, Dustin, are you here? Yeah, I'm here. Okay. Cool. Cool, cool, cool. That was actually the biggest fail. Uh, my, <laughs> my mom was trying to FaceTime me. We should have her on the show. So we were talking about, yeah, let's have Dustin. Here's Dustin's mom on the show. Um, uh, we were talking about your uh, your relationship with the term lo-fi and what you think about that whole. Right. Well, yeah, it's like, so lo-fi is, you know, just it just means that the song is low fidelity. It's not recorded with, you know, high quality gear. It doesn't sound the best. I mean, it's the same thing as like indie. Like indie literally doesn't mean anything anymore when it first was or being alternative. Used. Yeah. Yeah. It's like in the 70s, it was like, okay, well, this is music that's released independent of a major label mm -hmm. and now there are bands that are huge on major labels that people call indie wow literally doesn't mean anything you know it's not independent music wow i haven't thought about that let's talk about newer stuff that's let's look to the future um <clears throat> you said you've got all these you're doing this these these uh the, these jazz versions piano versions of some of your most popular songs uh down the line sleep apnea a couple of them uh, and I'm sure there's other fan favorites. And this is coming out, I think, what, next week or the week after? And Yeah, it comes out on the 19th. The 19th. Okay. And you teased it a little bit. You're going to be, you're working on new Beach Fossil stuff. You have dozens of tracks already uh, that you're already working on. So what can you tell us about the next new Beach Fossils album? I wish I knew what I could say, but I don't even know. Every time I make a, an album, it's like... I narrow it down. I'm like, okay, I've got like 12 songs here. This is going to be the record. And then I write one more song and I kick a song off of it. And then before you know it, all the songs that were going to be on the record aren't on it anymore. And I'm kind of still in that process right now with the next one. So I honestly couldn't even tell you what it sounds like. <laughs> I really want to know um, before you have to go, um, being like on that topic of being a pioneer in the indie kind of indie rock, sort of um, genre of rock music, now that rock music is coming back, what are your hopes for the future, I guess, of rock in general? Now that, now that rock is sort of, yeah. sort of permeating the top 40 and again, being that I guess. You're one of the real ones. You know, mm -hmm. you came up kind of like the real rock and roll way. You had a foundation, you had a band, you know, recording your bedroom, like the real rock and roll story. I don't know. I mean, honestly, like, I don't really like contemporary rock music and, and I don't really listen to much. Um, You're not I, I even definitely, Machine Gun Kelly? <laughs> <laughs> I, I definitely think that rock music is is pretty dead and, and like hasn't been that innovative since probably like 82 or something. It kind of died with no. Oh, you went way back. You're one of those wow. people. You think it's it stopped. You said 82. Yeah. Yeah, probably around that time. I don't know. I I don't know. Um, After Phil Collins invented gated drums, it was over. <laughs> yeah, I, I just I personally don't really think rock is like a very exciting genre. It's it's not really something I listen to, but I make it because I like making it. But um, but I don't know. Um, yeah, when I heard you say that that rock was coming back or is back or something, I actually was curious, like what, um, like in what way? Because so. A good example of that is uh, Good For You by Olivia Rodrigo, where a lot of these pop and hip hop acts are basically taking sort of 
My Chemical Romance, early 2000s, power chord, emo kind of stuff. Warp Tour music is, is the way I like to describe it. And sort of incorporating those kind of guitars into pop songs. I think if that's the case, then rock should stay dead because I don't want to do that. <laughs> yeah, that's not what I meant. I, actually, what I meant was that's not, I don't consider that rock music at all. Well, I mean, that's um, how it's permeating into the whole. What I meant was, um, I guess, rock and indie sounds being more widely received, whereas maybe five years ago, it was all about mumble rap. That's what mm. I meant. Well, I love mumble rap, though. I, and I do think it's better than most indie rock, to be honest. It, it, <laughs> it's definitely more like creative and innovative and, and uh, has, has more passion and personality than most of these boring like white indie rocker bands. You There's know, also I mean, a weird log jam, Dustin, with with uh, with rock radio, actual rock radio, that if you turn on an alternative, quote unquote, alternative station anywhere, you're probably going to hear a 20 year old Foo Fighters song instead of right. something new. Yeah, yeah I, I kind of think, yeah, I, maybe that's why people aren't into rock, because they're just like they hear it and they hear just like the most stock rock and they're like, well, that's not but interesting. Stock that's, not rock. that's a great term. That's what we're called stock rock, like stock. Yeah like standard cardboard run of the yeah. mill. Yeah. Well, there, I mean, if I were to turn on the radio right now as like a teenager and like hear like Foo Fighters, there's nothing in there that like speaks to the youth or speaks to like me as a young person. You know, I, I think it would be, it would be not something that I would, it would be interested in, you know. But a lot of those, but here's the thing though is a 16 year old hears that kind of emo inflected pop and it puts them on to guitar and then they make their own guitar rock so i think there's a lot of uh, people in their early 20s late teens that are making their own rock that we just haven't seen it yet and not to get all on my anti-corporate high horse but a lot of these radio stations that, that are the gatekeepers aren't letting the newer acts in no one knows about what great rock song there is because they there's no access to it on the radio and then you have yeah. on spotify you have this kind of subculture of a song that has 10 12 20 million streams but it's not on the radio but that's still kind of a hit so like even the definition of what a rock hit is has kind of changed yeah well i think the majors are always going to dominate whatever you know sort of medium there is because they've really figured out how to like cheat the system and mm -hmm. and kind of get their stuff up front and center but you know I, i'd say that the that on the flip side the good thing is that there are artists who you know are making a living and and you know touring all over the world and you know maybe they're not a household name but they have a career whereas you know if it was the 80s or 90s and there was no access to the internet in that way they just would have no career at all yeah absolutely absolutely so, and the reason I bring this up is Demi is like hardcore rock. She's kit drums. Her latest single, she released it with, oh my her latest single has 808s on it, has like, has, uh, you know, 808s. But yeah. she was very quick to point out that that's the remix. That's not the original recording. So. <laughs> I'm blushing. <laughs> hey, well, you know, I mean, I think it's uh, I think it's good to to you know kind of embrace uh, you know turns in music uh, as long as it's not like you're uh, you know because some people uh, um, are trying to do what they see like externally is cool I think you know just just take whatever you can take from music that you like and use it in your own way and it'll be true to you. you know? So we'll we'll let you we'll let you go here, Dustin, uh, pretty soon. But before we let you go, since you've talked about 
you know, you, you're not into indie rock. You like mumble rap more than most indie rap. What are you listening to now in your day-to-day life? Like what's going on when you're washing dishes, when you're, you know, doing whatever around the house? What are you listening to? Um, yeah, mostly electronic music or rap music. Um, yeah, the, this artist special request is like one of my favorites. I've just been listening to a lot on tour and I've been like revisiting a lot of the underworld catalog recently and just oh, wow. going back through that. Yeah. We tried to nail you down, but you were actually super busy touring. How was, how has it been playing live? What's the energy out there? It's been amazing. I missed it so much. There's, there's not even words for how much I missed it. It's, it's something that, yeah, when, when, I wasn't able to go to shows or play shows. I was just going on YouTube and watching live performances and being like, God, I can't wait till this is back. And now that it's finally back, it's, yeah, it's like we're already two thirds finished with this tour. And I just like want to get another tour on the books. Yeah. How are you with meet and greets and merch table fan interaction? Are you into that? Or are you kind of like, yeah? Oh, I love meeting. I mean, like we wouldn't exist if it wasn't for the people that listen to our music and came to our shows. So I love meeting them and, and, you know, saying hi and signing stuff and photos and whatever people want. Um, I don't really like the idea of meet and greets because it's like, I feel like it's weird to charge someone to like meet another human being. I'd rather just like go outside of the venue after the show and just like have a conversation with somebody. Absolutely. Wow. Absolutely. All right, Dustin, we'll let you go. Thank you so much for joining us on the show, on our 100th show, even though you had no idea. And uh, <laughs> I had no idea either. <laughs> and enjoy the tour. And um, I, the, the new album of the Piano Ballads is out on the 19th. And at some point, maybe next year, we'll get a new Beach Fossils album. So thank you so much. And we'll talk to you later. Yeah, thank you so much. Take care. All right. That was fun, Demi. Oh my God, Jordan, I'm gonna cry. And how much is it? How much is it nice to be next to each other? And, We're back. And not have to worry bit. about guys. The hardest thing about like <laughs> doing the um, the Zoom style interviews, where we're in different cities, different uh, rooms, is you don't know when the other person is gonna talk. You don't know what what like it's it's hard to kind of match that up. And and now I can feel Demi when she's about to say something. I can kind of feel the, the rustle. Like, yeah, yeah. Here it comes. Here it comes. <laughs> All right, guys. So as always, go to um, popdust.com for all our interviews. Go to Spotify, iHeartRadio, Apple Music for past episodes. And of course, YouTube and TikTok and Facebook for clips from our shows. And so until next time, we'll see you later. Thanks for watching.